Hello and welcome to PathPod. This is our next episode of Beyond the Scope. Today our host, Dr. Kamar Mirza of the Loyola University Stritch School of Medicine, speaks with Dr. Donald Karcher, Professor of Pathology at George Washington University and College of American Pathologists Board of Governors Executive Committee member. Dr. Mirza also speaks with Dr. Adam Booth, Gastrointestinal Pathology Fellow at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. We'll hear their conversation about the pathology training pipeline, the factors that influence medical students' decisions for or against pathology, and the steps we can be taking to change the perception about pathology as a career, including how national organizations can help. Now here's your host, Dr. Mirza. Welcome to this episode of Beyond the Scope. In today's podcast, our guests are Dr. Donald Karcher and Dr. Adam Booth. We will be discussing the pathology pipeline. Dr. Donald Karcher is Professor and Immediate Past Chair, Department of Pathology at the George Washington University Medical Center in Washington, D.C. He received his MD degree from the Louisiana State University School of Medicine in New Orleans and completed residency training in anatomic and clinical pathology at the Brooke Army Medical Center at Fort Sam Houston, San Antonio, Texas. He then served as Director of Hematopathology at Walter Reed Army Medical Center in D.C., and subsequently at LSU Medical Center in New Orleans. From 1984 to the present, Dr. Karcher has been on the faculty in the Department of Pathology at the George Washington University Medical Center, rising through the ranks to become Chair of Pathology in 1999, a role in which he served for 20 years. He is board certified in anatomic and clinical pathology and hematopathology, and he continues to actively practice hematopathology and flow cytometry at George Washington. Dr. Karcher is active in many national and international medical and pathology organizations. He currently serves in several capacities in the College of American Pathologists, including as a member of the CAP Board of Governors and the CAP Executive Committee. He serves as the chair of the CAP Council on Education, is a longtime member and past chair of the CAP Council on Government and Professional Affairs, and is a member of the Policy Roundtable and Pathology Workforce GME Workgroup. He also leads the new CAP Pathologist Pipeline Initiative. For several years, Dr. Karcher has been a leader in the Association of Pathology Chairs, the preeminent organization of academic pathology departments in the U.S. and Canada, and served as APC president in 2014 through 2016. Dr. Adam Booth is a gastrointestinal liver and pancreatobiliary pathology fellow at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center and clinical fellow of Harvard Medical School in Boston, Massachusetts. He completed his anatomic and clinical pathology residency at the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston, Texas. He served as chief resident at UTMB and currently holds several national leadership positions, including two terms as chair of the College of American Pathologists Residence Forum Executive Committee and ex officio member of the Board of Governors. He also serves on committees in the American Society of Clinical Pathology, United States and Canadian Academy of Pathology, American Board of Pathology, Association of Pathology Chairs, Hans Popper Hepatopathology Society, and the Digital Pathology Association. In 2018, he received numerous honors, including the College of American Pathologists 2018 Resident of the Year, Texas Society of Pathologists Presidential Award, and the Pathologist Magazine's Powerless 2018. He was named one of ASCP's 2019 Top 5 40 Under 40 honorees and to the Pathologist Magazine's 2019 Pathology Power List as one of 100 trailblazers of the lab. Most recently, in 2020, he was named the overall outstanding resident at UTMB and selected to the Pathologist Magazine's 2020 Pathology Power List, The Social Network. 
Following completion of training, Dr. Booth plans to practice in an academic setting and continue to grow as a leader in the field of pathology. So if I may, I may start with you, Don, can we, can we talk about how you uh, discovered pathology and how your journey was? Yeah, of course. Well, I, I did not go to medical school to be a pathologist. And frankly, very few people actually do go to medical school knowing that's what they want to do. I went to medical school to be an internist. And um, pathology appealed to me almost from the first minute I was ever exposed to it. Um, in this, When I was in medical school, pathology was taught as a second year um, year-long course uh, for medical students in the preclinical years. And um, literally the first week I was in the pathology course, I was, it just opened me up to, to something that was just fascinating to me. However, I, I had blinders on. I had gone to medical school to be an internist. I was very focused on that. And even though I had an opportunity, not only in the pathology course, but also um, in the summer between the second and third year of medical school, in those days, we had an opportunity. We had the summer off, and I had an opportunity to do a clerkship, and I did it in a pathology department at a local hospital. Loved it. I still am in touch with the pathologist that I worked with in that summer. And this is quite a few years ago. Um, but I followed through on my uh, desire to be an internist. And as a first-year medicine resident, I realized what it was that I loved both about internal medicine and pathology, and that is the diagnostic challenge. Making a diagnosis from um, basic information, clinical information, and in the case of pathology, gross and microscopic findings, uh, molecular findings, and other findings, making a diagnosis was the thing that I love most about internal medicine. Um, I was very happy to take all the new patients, and then once we made a diagnosis, I would be happy for other people to um, pick up the those patients. <laughs> you were, you were already realized, practicing like a pathologist. That's funny. Yeah. So I realized, uh, you know, that's what I realized back in medical school. That's what appealed to me from the beginning. Um, and so I acted on that new realization and I uh, changed my residency training from internal medicine after a year to pathology training. Um, and I must say, I've never regretted doing that year of internal medicine. Um, I think it has always made me, uh, given me a little more empathy for my clinical colleagues at two o'clock in the morning when there's a patient crashing and you need something. However, I have never regretted my decision to change. Um, I still love to this day that diagnostic challenge. I, I, it excites me as much today, I think, as when, when I first decided to go into pathology. That's wonderful. Adam? Thanks. I, uh, so I just like just like Don mentioned, I set out in medical school to uh, become a surgeon, and that was my plan. Um, in my, uh, but you know, as I in that it was the second year of of medical school where we got some pathology exposure that kind of opened my eyes to that, uh, and I saw those aspects of of science that I really enjoyed. So like going back into undergrad. I, uh, I really enjoyed cell and molecular biology and biochemistry, uh, and I did very well in those courses. And I worked in a, a entomology research lab with uh, plant disease and um, bacteria and viral uh, plant pathogens. And like, so I really enjoyed that science part, you know, like doing PCRs and we were doing Sanger sequencing and, you know, I was making my own gels and electrophoresis and it was a lot of fun. Uh, and then doing like uh, phylogenetics and phenotyping. So, you know, as I went into medical school and we got that pathology exposure in second year, and we were again like looking at the cells and learning about these processes happening, you know, I, I, I just kind of tied all that stuff together. 
uh, and I like, I guess it always like sparks my imagination. You know, I, I like to imagine all those processes happening, you know, in my mind and what's going on in the cell and, you know, like kind of anthropomorphize, you know, different enzymes and things, you know, as these things are happening. Um, and so the more I learned about that, the more exposure I got to it. Uh, it really, um, it tied those things together that I loved uh, more so about medicine. And I saw the opportunity for, for science and, and medicine to come together. And I still remember my first uh, CAP meeting uh, Dr. Friedberg was uh, finishing up his presidency then, I believe, and he had said that pathology was, was kind of like the intersection of science and medicine. Mm -hmm. And I, it just always has stuck with me ever since he said that, because I think that really, uh, to me, is like it, it kind of puts it all nicely together. Uh, and I just and I love that, you know, even just now signing out with a, a resident, you know, like looking at the, the tumor cells and, and mitoses and all these kinds of things like going over, you know, still just, you know, I, I just really enjoy it. I love it. And I love that opportunity to make an impact on the patient, even if it's just, you know, a gastric biopsy and I can see the inflammation and then I can find the H. pylori and now they can give the patient treatment and hopefully they can feel better. Right. You know, so it's just like those opportunities are just, you know, I, I love that I can have that impact on the patient. Um, and help them. And at the same time, I get to look at cells and, and enjoy and I look at these you know, beautiful things that obviously uh, are just, you know, really spark the imagination. Right. I mean, it's interesting, like whenever we go through an interview season, we hear these amazing analogies, like you were just mentioning, uh, Adam, about this idea of the intersection of science and medicine. You know, I mean, we've heard all these fantastic things such as you know, pathology is the trunk of the tree where the roots are the basic sciences and the leaves are the clinical sciences, you know what I mean? And, and it's true, like all of these ring true. And like you were mentioning, Don, I think that, you know, I mean, we've all kind of had blinders on in a way, right? And like when we started medical school, we just didn't know, you know, pathology is a fantastic kind of opportunity. Many of us had a preconceived notion of what we wanted to be. And it's interesting, actually, the three of us, I mean, so for me also, I was one of those medical students who loved every single thing I went into. Uh, and like, I was having a crisis, to be honest with you, that, you know, I mean, I kind of love everything. And and yeah. to be honest with you, I think that if you love everything, pathology is where you need to go, because <laughs> really, you have everything. You know? That's true, Cameron. You, you, well, that's one, another thing that appeals to me about pathology, and that is we, we touch on so many different parts of medicine. Um, even though we, most of us subspecialize in one way or the other, I'm a hematopathologist, but I work with oncologists, hematologists, surgeons, uh, um, working with a dermatologist right now on a on a uh, skin lymphoma, on and on. It's you know, it's a, pathology is amazingly broad, even when you're subspecialized. And you you hit on something that I think is a really important point, which is, you know, most people don't go to medical school to to become a pathologist, and most medical students never find out or find out too late what it is that pathologists do. I think that's one of the real problems with recruiting young students, uh, great students, to even consider pathology. They don't—they are not really exposed in medical school, if at all, but it, it, very late, if at all, to what it is that we do as pathologists. And I, that was my experience in, in medical school. Even though I loved it as a as a discipline and a, uh, an approach to uh, science and medicine, um, to follow on, on what Adam said. It was never really exposed to me what pathologists do in practice. That clerkship in the summer was uh, a mini exper experience, but as a medical student, I was never, never formally exposed to that. And that's clearly something we need to change. 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I think that there's another common thread here between the three of us, the fact that there has been some sort of exposure to a laboratory setting, right, either early in medical school or before medical school. And uh, anecdotally, through my students, I find that the ones that have been exposed to the lab in one shape, way or form, whether it's a family member or whether it's a pre-medical school experience, they are definitely more open to the idea to make an informed decision about pathology. And I guess, you know, I mean, all three of us have obviously uh, drunk the Kool-Aid. And so the question I guess I want to segue into, and like, Don, you've actually led it in really well, is, well, do we have a pipeline problem? I know that people write about it and they talk about it. So let's talk about, you know, pathology as a career choice for medical students. What are we doing wrong? Why is it that it isn't on people's radars? Well, uh, Cameron, maybe I could start with that and love to hear what Adam has to say about it as well. And Adam and I have worked together on the pipeline, so I think we tend to think a good bit alike. But I think I think the lack of information about pathology, about pathology practice, about pathology training, and even more, more troubling is misinformation about what it is that pathologists do and what type of career op- opportunities and options are available uh, to two students and two pathologists once we graduate um, as pathologists. So I think, I think our, I view our biggest problem is this lack of information. Um, There are other, you know, other issues that we deal with, um, just the general perception of pathologists and pathology as a discipline is not very positive uh, among non-pathologists, even non-pathology faculty members in, in medical schools really don't understand what we do, oftentimes don't even value appropriately what we do, and then will not uncommonly actively discourage medical students when they mention that they're thinking about pathology, they will be actively discouraged. That happened to me when I was changing. Now, I was later in my career. I was a medicine resident. I had many people discouraging me from you know, from changing to pathology, and I had to sort of fight that. Uh, I'm afraid medical students deal with that all the time uh, from non-pathology uh, faculty members. We also have to take, we, the pathology community and pathology, uh, academic pathologists have to take part of the blame as well, because I don't think we do as good a job as we should in actively recu- recruiting students who may have an aptitude for pathology or express some interest. We're not as proactive as maybe other subspecialties in act- actively recruiting students to consider pathology as a career. So I believe all those things need to change. I think those are some of the big problems. Yeah, I, thanks, Don. I, I would agree with you as well. You know, I think it's a lot of a, they don't know what we're, what we're doing, you know, what it is to be a pathologist, uh, you know, how, the pathologist role in medicine uh, as a physician. Like I, you know, like I mentioned uh, earlier, like even as like in second year, when I was exposed to a pathologist teaching this the course, I remember it was like cardiac pathology. Uh, I still, even going through those courses, I don't think I could have told you uh, at the end of second year, like what, like how the pathologist, besides like making these diagnoses, like what his role or how he fit into the entire spectrum of, um, you know, the house of medicine and his roles within, uh, with the other specialties and how they all came together. Uh, and it wasn't until I was able to to do an elective that I was able to see the kind of day-to-day activities of, you know, different pathologists, whether that's like a surgical pathologist or a clinical pathologist, and then see like, okay, this is, this is what they do. This is how they, you know, interact with the colleagues. You know, they make a phone call here. They have a frozen section. Uh, they go to tumor boards and present. 
um, you know, they are actively, you know, participating in all these activities, uh, especially in the clinical lab side of things, you know, with uh, uh, lab testing. I remember like helping out with like urinalysis and stuff like that and making sure like tests are, are valid and controls are on, you know, that kind of stuff. So these kind of, and how, and how that impacts so many people throughout the hospital, like you could, I don't think you would ever know that if you didn't do an elective. And I think that's, that's a lot of, a lot of value that for our clinical colleagues and the other specialties, if, if somehow they could see that. And I think it would help, um, you know, down the road. Uh, and just like, like, uh, you know, Don had mentioned about some, that active discouragement from folks. I still remember as a fourth year, uh, my internal medicine attending one of one of them uh, when I had been a third year when she found out that I had uh, applied to pathology she said oh you're but you're so good with patients um, <laughs> you know and and, yeah. and so she was you know I, I could you could tell but I was like you know yeah okay but you know I, I like I still can and I can still interact with patients you know you can still these things are still there they just don't really know about them as well but that kind of stuff is really, you know, detrimental, even if she said it even in a joking way and she's still happy for me to be doing what I wanted to do. It's still like discouraging. And we, we all know, I think from social media, we can see these comments from students that, that still experience these things. Um, you know, I got a message from a, uh, another resident the other day that she was a med student had, uh, had DM'd her and said that there was a, uh, you know, she read these things on Student Doctor Network, and is this you know accurate and stuff? And she, of course, fortunately, like pointed her towards the online materials, like the CAP has put out to help kind of bust some of these myths, so that they could you know like say like no, this is that's not right. You know, you can do these things. It's not the case. Uh, so it's like it takes a lot of, I think, proactive measures uh, that that historically we haven't been doing. You know, we've been very. Uh, I think there's been a lot of passivity and that's, that's hurt us uh, over time. And just also with the recruitment, I think we all know how vital recruitment is like with your uh, in residency and then recruiting residents and good residents. And so that I think, so just like that, we have to be actively like recruiting, you know, great students to, uh, to our specialty and showing them how they can, you know, attain their goals or, or whatever that may be as a pathologist or just like think about it, you know, so how can we better, um, you know, share what we do with them in a way that they may say, Oh, that's, that's really something like that's powerful. I could, you know, I, I could achieve everything I want to in that field or at least so that they can say, yeah, you know, like that's not for me. I want to do this, but they can say that instead of saying you're so good with patients or you this or that, like, or you're not weird enough, or you're not antisocial. <laughs> now, instead of saying things like that, they're like, oh, yeah, that you should check it out. Like, it's a really cool field, you know, and it can be, like, uh, really powerful in patient care. Right. I think that, you know, we all have these stories where people dissuaded us actively from becoming, pathology, you know, pathologists. And I think that if we have this whole conversation, like, let's say, on social media, you know, we always say, well, if we had a nickel for every single time we were told that, especially, like, so I was told, oh, but you're such a great communicator. And I wanted to be like, do you want a poor communicator to be the person telling you that your father has colon cancer? Like, I mean, like, you know, communication is key. Uh, and so I understand what they meant. And they didn't mean it in a malicious way. You know, the idea was, well, I, I would be very good with talking to patients. And then potentially, like as a hematopathologist, I don't often talk to patients anymore. And so I can see what they were trying to say. But 
all about perception. I think that we've, you know, both of you have hit upon this term of perception. And I think that is the word of the hour, whether it's perception of who we need to be as individual, like our characteristics as pathologists, you know, antisocial, grumpy, whatever, based on that, <laughs> or, or if it's about the perception of what we do. And I think both of you have very nicely outlined this idea of where we see them, let's say in the second year of medical school, which is, you know, preclinical with this hustle and bustle of getting step one out of the way, uh, you know, where we are going to them as purely just didactic teachers talking about histology and pathophysiology. But that's not what we do day to day. Right. I mean, both of you have outlined this so nicely. The fact that, you know, that exposure uh, you know, in the PTSD and trauma of step one is not the correct exposure. And so as we move forward, you know, preclinical years are shortening. Uh, where de there's a huge push across the country where the number of months will go down, uh, you know, to give more importance to the clinical years, quote unquote, in which, you know, one could argue that pathology is the backbone of the clinical years. And yet, you know, you never, you know, medical students don't consider the role that pathology is playing in those clinical years too. So, I know that there uh, are there's a push on social media and like a perception change that's happening there. That's a huge, amazing wave that's coming. Um, and I think that there there is a change now happening where more pathologists, even if it's a few, but more of them from before are meeting patients perhaps. And so what do we think now moving forward, long-term or short-term, what things should we be doing really to kind of change this perception? It's a big ship. I understand it'll be very slow to turn. Um, but, you know, what would be the top one or two things that come to your mind? Don? Well, um, you know, in the short term, I think we have to we have to reverse this lack of information and misinformation. <clears throat> there are a variety of ways to do that. Um, you certainly mentioned social media and, you know, some of the misinformation about pathology is actually on social media platforms. Um, Adam actually mentioned studentdoctor.net. And these are oftentimes trusted by medical students as sources of accurate information. And a lot of the information about pathology, about pathology training, pathology practice, even the pathology job market is grossly inaccurate. So we need to change that dynamic. In terms of how we, um, you know, how we appeal to medical students, we have to expose them as early as possible in medical school or even before. Um, I think we need to look, frankly, at college students, even high school students, to begin planting the seeds that pathology is an amazing way to combine science and medicine. Um, as Adam mentioned, you know, we're at the interface of the two, and that should appeal to many students even before they consider medical school. But for sure, once they're in medical school, we need to find a way to expose them to what pathologists do as early as possible. It might take the form of small group discussions in the preclinical years, um, hopefully electives. And one of the good things about curriculum uh, evolution is that uh, medical students can now do electives earlier in um, in their medical school careers, right. and that's I think vitally important to be for a student to do a even a two week elective in pathology. Um, we actually have students at the end of the first year now that can do an elective with us, and we have had uh, first year students in the spring do a two week elective with us, and I'm happy to say three of them have gone in, on into pathology. They were exposed early enough that it it sort of turned them around. So I think we need to focus on, on those things for sure. We also have to focus on this perception 
of uh, inaccurate perception about pathology among um, our colleagues, our non-pathology colleagues. Um, there's a variety of ways that we can do that, but um, frankly, just demonstrating on a daily basis to them what we do, um, hopefully we'll begin to change uh, that impression. Um, I, there, there are a variety of things that perhaps we could put out there that would be focused directly on um, other physicians, non-pathologist physicians, things that we could have on social media platforms um, and a variety of other venues. But I think it's, it's not just students. I think we need to um, get accurate information out there um, at a variety of different levels about um, what pathology, what value pathologists bring to the healthcare system and all the different career options that are available. I would add to that group, even patients. You mentioned, Kamran, about pathologists are now actually interacting directly with patients more than ever. Right. I strongly uh, support that. Uh, we are actually setting up a uh, pathology um, consultation service for patients um, where I am at George Washington University. Um, I think the more that we are seen by patients, um, the, the more this, um, this um, inaccurate impression of what we do and who we are uh, the, the more that will begin to disappear. I think patients can be our greatest allies in, in terms of understanding what we have done to contribute to their health and will be um, our supporters when we need them to speak up on our behalf. I love that. And, you know, and in that way, they can see what great allies we are of them too. You know, we've always been, but, you know, it's just been behind the scenes. That's right. So Adam, as we segue into you, I'm going to ask you the same question, but I'm going to change it up a little bit because I want to highlight the work that the Resident Foreign Executive Committee has done under your chairmanship. I mean, it's been amazing. The two years this chair that you were there, you know, I mean, looking at what you've been able to kind of bring forward regarding medical students, right, from the CAP perspective has been very inspirational. So perhaps as you answer the same question about what we should be doing, you can kind of mention what, uh, what already has been done in that committee at least. Uh, thanks, Cameron. Yeah, uh, you know, I was I was honored to be a chair of the the residence form executive committee for for a couple of years, and uh, when I started my uh, tenure, um, following the CAP uh, 2018 meeting, there was a uh, one of the breakout sessions uh, where you know almost there was four options, and one of them was talking about the pipeline issue, and you know I'd say. 80 to 85 percent of the attendees all went to that breakout session and that included uh some medical students but also uh, but obviously a lot of residents and it was sharing ideas about uh about what the problems were how we could try to fix them uh what information is out there and what's not out there and so uh so that was so i owe that like that part they kind of set up our our fact mm -hmm. for uh making these uh these trying to correct those errors uh, areas so we went about so that year we went about me and my my committee uh as a, it's a great team effort you know pulling together everybody had different assignments uh making sure everything was done on time you know we tried to attack some of the different myths and kind of misinformation that's out there uh we made some great videos talking about pathology and and what we loved about it and the cap of course was very supportive in that and recognize the need for this kind of information to be available so that we could, you know, whenever those areas like that student doctor network I alluded, I mentioned earlier, pop up, someone can point them towards this accurate information that tells you the truth about pathology. 
so that they can, you know, so we can kind of correct these. So there's a home base for somebody to go to and see that. And we also uh, kind of revitalize and establish the medical student forum for the CAP. Uh, and that rapidly grew as we uh, progressed to, uh, to several hundred uh, in just a few, in just about six months. And it continues to grow. And it's great to see those, uh, many of those med students early on have now become residents and new right. residents come into that, or new medical students uh, flowing into that and then continuing to grow. So, you know, really just a great team effort by the CAP itself, uh, pulling all the resources together and that with staff, um, you know, practicing pathologists, some medical students providing their input uh, and the residents form executive committee. You know, I think, and, and so kind of tying that back to, you know, how can we, besides trying to provide a way to, you know, or a place where they can find, you know, accurate information, what else, you know, can we do? Uh, so on like kind of the short term, small scale, you know, I always, if I, you know, have, it's been less so with COVID, I guess, but, you know, if I'm standing in line to get a coffee or something and I see someone in like a short white coat or, you know, someone that's a med student, you know, I'll, you know, chat with them. Like, what are you, uh, you know, what are you interested in? What's your, what are you rotating on right now? And I always tie that back to pathology nice. like somehow, like, you know, if they're, you know, or if they want to go into uh, OBGYN, you know, I can mention, oh, you know, like, have you been in any of those surgeries or the, like the giant, like uh, uh, cystic ovarian tumors, <laughs> you know, and they send one down to frozen section. And so I tie it in so that they can at least give some side of inkling into how like my specialty will impact their specialty and how we'll work together for the patient, you know, cause then, you know, whether you need to do a pelvic dissection or do you need to find more lymph nodes so we can help, we help guide the surgeon that way. And we help the patient in that way while they're under anesthesia and all these things are happening. You know, it same thing could be said for, you know, the laboratory tests, if they're inter or if they're going into like, they want to do hematology you know, you can talk about hematopathology and how we impact that. Oh, you know, I was looking at this peripheral smear, and, this, and then I called the hematologist and we talked about this. So I try to tie things together so that they can at least see how we impact their specialty to try to form this, you know, that camaraderie, that collegiality amongst us uh, colleagues, that, you know, we're on the same team. We're trying to help out the patient in our own specialties way uh, together. And so I, th I feel like that's uh, the kind of smaller things we can do. And I think another part is, being more just outspoken in general about about pathology and what we do, you know, whether that's, you know, that goes with just the students, but that could also be like trying to engage, you know, maybe uh, pre-med groups at, um, you know, undergraduate programs or undergraduate uh, uh, institutions. Like I remember as a pre-med student, a radiologist came and spoke and a um, head and neck surgeon came and spoke. Uh, and that's great. Uh, but, I couldn't have told you at that time, like what the heck pathology was at all, you know? So, but I, but at that same time, I was working in that research lab doing this kind of like basic sciences thing. So that could have appealed to me, you know? Right. And I think it would have appealed to a lot of other folks that I knew that were pre-med and undergrad as well. And then I also, when I'm dealing like, or talking to a patient or talking to family members or anyone, or they find out that I'm a pathologist, I try to, you know, give them a real world kind of example of, you know, how like they might see pathology in their setting. So whether that's a commercial for a immune checkpoint inhibitor or something, and then I say, oh, well, so, you know, I, 
or, you know, if you go to the, you know, a gastroenterologist and you get a colonoscopy and they take out a polyp and it's uh, cancerous or something, you know, I will, you know, I'll run a test and that'll help guide the oncologist and the surgeons into how they'll treat you and what they'll do next. And so I try to tie these things together and then I'll say like, like you may have seen this commercial for, you know, blah, blah, blah drug. Just to really, just to, to pull this stuff together so that they see, oh, it gives them some idea of like where we fit into things so that they can grasp it. You know, I still remember a, a family member saying, why does a, a dead body need blood transfusions? You know, like that's the, because that's how it can be, the, some of the misinformation can be out there, you know, thinking that we just do autopsies or something. Right. Uh, but I was on blood bank. So how can that, you know, it doesn't, how can those things uh, tie together? But that's, you know, there's two different things in that we have so much in our kind of, in our toolkit, you know, like we're the backbone of everything, I think, uh, you know, as we both mentioned. So I think those, those small conversations in passing with, uh, with folks, whether students or patients, even just the patient asks you something in the hall and they, you know, and they're, you know, they, they chat with you a little bit, you can tell them, you know, and the little things, uh, someone asked me like outside, uh, you know, what I do. And I say, I'm a physician and I say physician on purpose right. because the next question will be, what kind are you? And then I'll say a pathologist. And then they'll ask, what's that? You know, so then I can tell them uh, and tie that into the real world examples so that they have some idea. And hopefully at that time, I'm, I'm being a nice, pleasant person and they yeah. get a good perception <laughs> of a pathologist. Yeah. So I, I think it's those kinds of things. We just have to speak up and kind of be more, we have to be more proactive you, know, Adam, you, you mentioned about uh, television ads for, for uh, medications and, um, you know, as a hematopathologist, I can't tell you how many times uh, with non-medical people, the word lymphoma has popped up because so many of the monoclonal antibodies, that's a, that's a risk factor. And, you know, once they find out that I'm a hematopathologist and I can tell them a little bit about what lymphoma is and how we can make a diagnosis that will help cure them of that complication of this drug their eyes open very wide. They suddenly realize, you know, wow, pathologists really do great things and really help people, um, which they might not have really realized before. Right. I love, I, you know, I love that basically it's about how we are relevant to them. I, you know, the, these, whether it's this five minute conversation or this realization that, you know, we are the ones who are diagnosing lymphoma, um, it's it's the relevance to like let's say the medical student or to the patient you know whoever we're talking uh, we're talking to they can that's the beautiful thing about pathology there's always some relevance you know it's very rare that you will not find relevance you know maybe if it's you're talking to a radiologist they might not care necessarily what we're doing because there's you know a complete secondary diagnostic field which is totally okay um, but I but I love that this idea of you know, I, I bring it to pre, you know, pre kind of medical students as well. Like sometimes I go to health sciences fairs as part of our outreach. And, you know, one of the things that has really stuck with them has been this idea of, well, if a five-year-old has a fever, who tells them whether it's, uh, whether it's leukemia or an infection, right? And it makes them pause, right? I mean, and I, I tie in medical laboratory science. I, you know, I'm, I, I run a program here and, and I tie in pathology and the idea that, you know, there's an answer that's needed. And actually, the Royal College of um, Pathologists of Australasia recently had a really interesting advertisement about, you know, <laughs> that, you know, there's a, a physician um, examining a patient 
uh, and is doing all these like tickle, you know, tickleoscopies, like you know, tickling the patient in weird ways to try and elicit like an answer of where it is because there's no pathology, right, to kind of send the sample to. And while I think that was a little bit exaggerated and adorable, I loved it. Um, you know, the the fact that this whole idea of oh, seventy percent of this and that, like the decision making, comes from the laboratories. Uh, and as Adam was saying, the fact that, you know, one day in residency, we're on the blood bank and then another day we're on autopsy and then the third day we're, you know, cutting frozen sections. I think that, you know, we we can find a way to become relevant to not only our patients, but also medical students. And I and I think that that's fantastic. In fact, it reminds me when you were mentioning about frozen sections, Adam, uh, of one of our students here at Stritch School of Medicine, who is currently at Yale, Austin McHenry. He was uh, he's a resident there now. Uh, and I remember he wrote he and I wrote a piece for the pathologist about, you know, the pipeline and about clerkship and, you know, how pathology should probably become an, you know, a, a mandatory clerkship. Uh, and, you know, and he described a visual of a surgeon still in uh, still in, you know, still scrubbed in with his, like with holding up their hands because, you know, they can't break scrub waiting for the pathologist to answer the frozen section, right? And like the, he snapshotted this beautiful prose about how everything was just waiting, right? For that frozen section result to come. And, you know, he was fortunate enough to kind of put that together, you know, and to see how important or relevant, you know, pathology was to the patient. But in case medical students aren't that astute into reading into it, I think that we have to kind of be there. And I love the things that, you know, the CAP has done, the, all the things that you've mentioned, Adam. And so I guess that's a great uh, segue into talking about this new uh, initiative uh, of the pipeline uh, that you guys are both on. So uh, tell me a little bit about that. Well, you know, this very, sounds very exciting. So maybe I'll start um, and just say that, you know, the CAP, along with many other pathology organizations, we, we've been working on the pipeline for a few years. Uh, we, it was recognized, you know, over the last maybe 10 years that we've had a challenge in terms of the pipeline. So it's not like we have just discovered this. Uh, it's something that we and other organizations have been working on. However, um, we have, uh, our, all of our efforts have not really bent the curve in a positive direction, certainly not adequately. And so the CAP decided a little more than a year ago that we were going to take a major step up in committing time and resources to improving the pipeline. Uh, so the first thing that we did is we formed a um, pathologist pipeline ad hoc committee. Um, I, as the current chair of the CAP Council on Education, I was asked to lead this new pipeline committee, and I was very happy to take that on. Uh, this committee has representatives from essentially every relevant part of the college, and I really want to single out the, the resident forum. Um, Adam was a founding member of this committee when he was the chair of the resident forum, and that is an incredibly important uh, part of the college. The, the resident forum was already working, you know, tremendously on, in the pipeline arena, and so we very much wanted to have the resident forum be part of this group. We also have a medical student, and we feel that that's very important to have the student's perspective on this committee. Um, the CAP board, uh, we developed a strategic plan, um, a variety of different priority actions, and I'm very happy to say that the CAP board um, in November of, two, uh, of 2020 formally approved this uh, pipeline initiative, and we are now in January of 2021 now kicking off uh, the initiative. 
Um, I can briefly mention just some basic components of this, but I want Adam to chime in on uh, in terms of how how he views this whole initiative. That we have decided on four priority actions in the first year of the initiative. Uh, the first is to develop a promotional campaign, and that's focused primarily on medical students, but also on non-pathology faculty. We had mentioned earlier about how there's some such such a misconception of even among our uh, non-pathology uh, uh, medical colleagues about what we do and the value of what we do. And so we wanna focus this promotional camp campaign, not just on the students, but also on non-pathology faculty members. Um, this will involve multiple platforms. Uh, we'll, we certainly will include social media in this, uh, and we wanna just improve the overall perception of pathology, of pathologists and of pathology practice. Of course, with the, the hopes in mind that some students, it'll turn them around in terms of uh, their uh, career decision-making. The second thing we wanna do is develop some enhanced materials to help spread the word about pathology. This um, will include both informational and educational materials. It'll be appropriate uh, for many different venues, including live presentations, video format, and for sure, social media posts. The third thing is to identify and support what we're calling pipeline champions. We want to have one or more such champions in every medical school in the country, both uh, MD and DO medical schools. Um, our target is to basically have at least one in every school in, in the U.S. And they will, of course, help to carry the message to medical students. They'll be able to facilitate um, this uh, promotional campaign provide uh, a lot of other resources for students as they're considering uh, pathology. And then finally, we are initiating a new national CAP pathology award. And our goal is to have this given in every medical school, both MD and DO in the US um, as a way of, um, of acknowledging and celebrating excellence on a part of one medical student but more importantly, um, it will be an opportunity um, and a, in a very public forum, we expect this award to frequently be given out at commencement where the entire faculty is assembled. And so it will, we hope, um, increased, uh, increase and improve the esteem of pathology among everyone in attendance, not just the students, uh, but also faculty. So Adam, what's your take on the initiative? You know, I think uh, I, I like what's most exciting to me, I think, is it's action. You know, I mean, we talked, uh, you know, for, for a long time, we, we knew there was a pipeline issue and everyone knew it. And we had the data to show it. Um, and, but, and people had tried different things here and there. But uh, I think what was like, was really excited me that when, uh, when this was approved by the board was just the you know, now you're getting a lot of resources and staff and oomph behind it, you know, really to like push through, you know, like we've collected the information and now like we've got a plan and now it's action time. You know, we want to really bring this, you know, we want to like just, you know, take hold and, and, you know, take care of this problem, you know? Right. So that's to me, like, that's the, the, the most exciting part. You know, I, I have like hope that we can do this with these, with these priority actions and, and, you know, really appealing to students and showing them, you know, how rewarding, uh, you know, a career in pathology can be, you know, as a physician and how that much they can impact patients uh, on a daily basis, you know, with just really powerful things, whether that's saying that it's not cancer or saying that it is cancer, 
but you know what? Now they can use this treatment. This now they know what to do next, though. You know, so at least they know what right. it is, and now they can know what to do next. So because it can just be so powerful. So I, I really hope, and and I'm um, just so happy to see this big push by by such a big organization of you know the pathologist organization. So first of all, congratulations. I think this is fantastic. I'm so excited about this initiative in general. I mean, personally and professionally. Uh, and then also the fact that, you know, this multi-pronged approach, like where you have already identified what seems to be exactly the things that, you know, should be the next steps. Um, I think it's, it's very exciting. It's very fascinating. And this, the, this prestige that comes from the college, you know, giving an award at, in whatever format at this commencement will really make not only the student obviously shine, but also the career kind of visible. And I and I love that, right? And so I think that if we were to really, you know, kind of focus our discussion on what the words were, right? I was like jot jotting these down. So we started with kind of uh, perception, right? We started with perception and then we went into relevance, right? And then ultimately we end with visibility. The idea that in whichever way we can make ourselves more visible, whether it be by acknowledging other people's success or whether it be by making ourselves relevant to their patient's diagnosis or their diagnosis or, uh, you know, their career choice. Uh, I think that there's so many exciting things that are happening. And so while we always kind of are a little, uh, not grumpy, but kind of glum about, oh, you know, we're like Eeyore is like, oh, it's so sad that people don't, don't want to do pathology. But th that's really far from the reality in the sense that there's so much excitement uh, and so many amazing initiatives that are happening. And I think that uh, both of you are such a strong part of many of those initiatives. And I, and I really th I want to thank you. Uh, for it, honestly, I think that it's uh, it's very very it's a very very good time to be a pathologist. I think. Well, Cameron, th thank you so much. And let me just say that um, this initiative, although it is sponsored by the CAP and it's there's a core committee that is uh, developing this, we view this as the task of every pathologist um, in small ways and large ways. Right. We feel that every pathologist can contribute to this. We know that you have contributed already in many ways yourself. We hope that um, we can have you working with us on this initiative and many other pathologists around around the country and frankly around the world in you know increasing the visibility and the esteem and the prestige and ultimately the desirability of careers in pathology. As we wrap up, I'm going to kind of throw you, uh, throw you guys for a loop a little bit. Um, I'm going to ask you to end the conversation by, you know, you can choose one of two things. Either you can give a short spiel to a medical student about why they should choose pathology, or you can give it in the sense of why you love being a pathologist. So it's entirely up to you whether uh, the conversation will be, you know, directed towards them becoming one or whether you, why you love being one, right? And and I'm not going to give you any time to think about it. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So this is your test. Uh, but Adam, get some time because Don, we're going to start with you. <laughs> okay. So, um, so I'm going to pitch this um, as I'm speaking to a medical student. And maybe this is a first-year medical student who is really um, sort of career naive at this point, uh, agnostic, uh, and really hasn't thought too much about which direction they want to go or don't really know enough. So I would tell that student... Um, you know, pathology um, didn't appeal to me um, uh, or didn't occur to me as a career choice at first. I, I first decided that I was going to be an internist in medical school. But I realized even in medical school and certainly later in my career 
the thing that I love about pathology is being able to solve the mystery, uh, solve the puzzle. What is wrong with this patient? And um, physicians use evidence from a variety of different um, directions, uh, clinical information, laboratory data, imaging information, et cetera. Well, pathologists get down to the very heart of what's wrong with the patient. Um, yes, we, we, when we make a diagnosis as a pathologist, we are taking con consideration clinical information, yes, imaging information, but we ultimately get down to um, understanding the, the, at a basic science level, what is wrong with this patient. We are looking at cells through the microscope, looking at tissues, looking at patterns that we can recognize, but it doesn't stop just at morphology. Um, we are then doing uh, proteomic and uh, studies, uh, immunohistochemical studies. We are frequently doing molecular studies putting all that information and synthesizing it to make a diagnosis that's going to impact this patient's life, perhaps for the rest of their lives, and maybe make a difference between life and death for this patient. It's an awesome responsibility, but it's also an exciting opportunity to have a positive impact. So as you're being exposed to different parts of medicine, remember that. Remember that pathologists are really at the interface of our scientific knowledge in medicine and bringing that knowledge to uh, clinical practice. We're really at that interface and we can have such an, uh, an amazing impact on patients. Some people don't realize that we are actually care providing services for individual patients. Um, many people view pathologists as just dealing with autopsies. Nothing could be further from the truth. Although the autopsy is very important, it's really a small part of our practice. Our practice in, in, in terms of clinical practice of pathology is making diagnoses uh, that will ultimately have a tremendous impact on uh, the care of individual patients. Adam. I'm sold, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope I you can see pathology <laughs> as, you, as you're going, going through your career. Well, thanks, Cameron. You know, I think uh, for me, and especially right now, I'm in my, my GI pathology fellowship, and I aspire to be a, a, a GI pathologist in uh, academic medicine. And uh, so I've, you know, you go through undergrad and medical school, and you do these different rotations, and then you go through residency, and you do different rotations. So you're like slowly filtering like down to that small, like point of what you, you know, what you were really striving to get to. And, uh, you know, as I'm in my, my GI pathology fellowship and I, you know, I'm sitting there and I've got my stack of cases, I'm going through the biopsies or resections, you know, and I'm like, you know, I, you know, I'm making this diagnosis or I think it's this diagnosis. So I read some more about it. Uh, you know, it like, I'll, sometimes it'll hit me like, you know, this is cool. Like, like I, uh, you know, I can do this for, you know, a long time. You know, I really, I'm enjoying myself, uh, you know, the intellectual challenge of it um you know then and the camaraderie of it because i you know i'll i'll reach over and i'll show my co-fellow uh like she's awesome so a shout out to dr barbara vidal i'll uh, show her a slide and we'll kind of concur and discuss just like you would at consensus conference you know and just you know like sharing these ideas or things you know uh you know learning things reading uh you know books reading like new papers 
like it's just you know it's so exciting you know like i i really like colon pops you know so they're always fun i enjoy looking at them you know and not they're not for everybody probably but you know i like looking at them so you know identifying them see how you know different they can look and the different diagnosis that we see with them and, and the more and more we're learning about them like specifically like serrated colon polyps so you know it's just like i just i just find you know i think it's that uh that thought like you know like uh, you know just kind of in the in the flow right you know i think you like some like books and things talk about that flow that feeling where you just kind of you know you're just in it and it just you know and you're just content and happy and enjoying it you know and and i feel like i feel that as i'm going through those things and that's really uh i think that's you know, that's rewarding. And it's nice. It's nice that after all these years of training and stuff to, to be at that point and to have that, you know, and then, and to, to enjoy what I'm doing and know that it's helping someone, you know, whether that is, you know, they're going to get good news uh, that it's not this or that, or isn't that going to be the news that they want, but at least I was able to tell them, you know, it's this, and now they can do this for you. You know, I, and I feel like that's, you know, that's, it's just as important. And sometimes the news sucks, I know, but at least they know now, and then they can take the next steps. So I, I feel like that's a really powerful um, to me as a pathologist and, and very rewarding. And I, uh, I get a lot of, uh, I get a lot of, you know, I don't you know, it just, just feels good, right? feels good. I agree. I'm convinced too. So, you know, I really, after <laughs> after hearing both of you, I, I don't see how anybody would not be convinced. So medical students, if you are listening to this and have given a um, passing thought to pathology, or let's assume that you haven't ever given a thought to pathology, if you are interested in a physician career that is at the interface of science and medicine, at the intersection of informatics and ethics uh, that brings together bits and pieces of all medical specialties, whether it be transfusion medicine and microbiology to oncologic diagnostics uh, and even the future of molecular pathology. Uh, pathology and laboratory medicine might be something uh, you want to look into. So it, it goes above and beyond what you were taught in your second year of medical school. Make an informed decision, stop by a pathology department, do an elective, be part of pathology Twitter. Uh, we look forward to seeing you there. Support for the Free Path Pod podcast comes from listeners who like it and share it with their friends. So go ahead, send someone the link. And be sure to subscribe to PathPod wherever you download your podcasts. PathPod is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not medical advice. As always on the podcast, any views expressed are solely those of the person speaking and do not necessarily represent their employers, their affiliated institutions, affiliated professional organizations, other speakers on the program, their friends, their families, their pets, or anyone involved in the production and distribution of this podcast. Thanks for listening to PathPod.